0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Journey to the Rise. I'm your host, Lucretia. In today's episode, we talk with Cody Kelly. I first came across Cody in an Instagram story that was shared by a friend. I was captivated by the delivery of his story and the inspiration behind it. As I went deeper into who he was and what he was about, I just knew he had to be a guest. This episode brought so much more than I thought it would. Cody's story is truly unconventional. With the hardship he faced at a very young age, it could have been easy for him to walk in life bitter and broken. Yet he rose above the challenges he had in front of him and really used his obstacles as stepping stones to pave his way to success. This conversation went a little longer than our typical episode, so we will be sharing Cody with you over two separate episodes. I hope you are energized and inspired as much as I am after talking with Cody, so let's not wait any longer. Please welcome my guest, Cody Kelly. Today we bring to you this gentleman who is incredibly inspiring on Instagram. When I saw his messaging on Instagram behind who he is as a person behind his fitness journey, I had to have him as a guest and I'm so grateful that he's here. Cody, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Absolutely. Christian. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Excellent. So I just want to dive straight in. Like, where did you, where's home for you when you were growing
1: up? Sure. So home is Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a native born and raised from here. Uh, I grew up specifically in the West Nashville area.
0: Nice. Nashvillian. I love West Nashville. That's probably my favorite um, part of Nashville. What do you think of the um, the growth? As someone who, who was part of that city for a very long time, I'm not a fan, but I understand progress can't be stopped. What are you as a Nashvillian?
1: Sure, so absolutely. you can't stop progress, you can't stop change. Uh, and I used to be like everybody else. I was very crabby old man, like get the hell off my lawn, like please go back <laughs> away. But then I finally realized something like before, pre-2010, before the big boom happened, there really wasn't much going on here, right? And it wasn't that exciting, but then all of a sudden these changes started happening and we started evolving into a small town, into a little big town, and now we're kind of a big town becoming in a full city. So, and now there's so much, to do there's something to do every night of the week there's so many sports ventures that you can go do if you want to, get to have food we're becoming like new york you can try a new restaurant every night of the week for like a year if you want to and they're constantly coming up with new different like cultivations and cuisines and there's a lot of economic opportunity as well if you're someone who is looking for a change of senior, or a change of pace, or a brand new position. We have so many larger companies that are moving here as well. So we are a huge growth city, and I believe that our city planners are wanting us to be like in the top five cities continuously all the way into the next decade. So it's kind of sad to see a lot of things that have changed over the years from what I grew up in, but at the same time, it's exciting to see that new innovation and progress.
0: Yeah, I agree. And because you can't stop it, so you might as well embrace it. And exactly. And I, I do appreciate the little big townness, and that's where, if people don't know, that's where the band got their name. Um, I, I li- what I really appreciate about Nashville is it's so based on community, and it's about helping that person, even if you don't know them. And I really hope that never changes as as Nashville grows.
1: Same as I, it's kind of one of the things that I do love about here is yeah. that. I can not tell you how many times I would pick people up in an Uber and it's like somehow they know someone that knows somebody that we have a mutual friend with. And I just think that shows that it's still a small town at
0: the mm-hmm. end of the day. Yeah. So as you're growing up in West Nashville, like what was it like with your family dynamic in your childhood that maybe helped develop you into who you are today?
1: Yeah. So I come from a single, or I come from a single mother household raised by, you know, she had two kids and I, my dad left at six weeks. He was out looking for the milk, you know, poor guy, he's still looking for it. And my sister also had a separate dad and he wasn't in the picture. And my mom went bankrupt when I was one years old. So at that time, you know, we kind of went through a couple of houses in the beginning. Like my grandparents definitely helped us out. Like they were our saving grace. Without them, I don't know, you know, where we'd be. So anytime something happened with the house would fall through, we'd go stay with them. And in the beginning, you know, my mom was a single mother, she was desperate, just went bankrupt. So we always trying to find someone to kind of help support us, right? She was looking for a boyfriend or a potential husband to help us. And you know, a lot of them didn't work out. Um, she kind of went through my grandparents went through a nasty divorce when she was 14. My, my biological grandfather. I have a different grandfather now who is essentially my dad. Um, but it really kind of knowing what I know now. really kind of like hit her a wrong way. And I think that it made to where she felt like she couldn't do it on her own, if that makes sense. So she's always looking for external support, always looking for help. And when we was about six years old, is we're in West Nashville. I moved about four times at that point. Then we moved out to Pegram, Tennessee, to be more specific. Had a little house out there. And, you know, it was, we weren't living lavishly by any means it was a modular home where, and if you're not sure, for those who don't know what that is, that's where like two pieces of house come together and they're soldered in the middle. So it's kind of like a trailer put together. And I think I remember our mortgage was like $400. And at that time, that was a lot, especially, you know, for us. And I couldn't tell you how many times like our lights went out, water went out. Uh, grandparents always helped support us in that scenario. And Luckily for them, again, we were able to, and my mom did the best she could with what she had. Like, you know, I love her to death. I'm thankful for everything that she tried for us. Um, We just needed that little bit of extra support. We were in that classification of, we made just enough to not qualify for any government assistance. And we didn't really make enough to get by. So we're always under, always struggling. So, but luckily I was still able to have opportunities because of my grandparents and some extra resources like being able to do Boy Scouts and baseball and things like that. And I'm very aware enough that even where I was, I still had opportunities that other people did not. There were people doing less than me that, so I try to be appreciative of that. And we lived there until I was about 12 years old. And then there was a kind of internal struggle with my family at the time. So we moved out to Phoenix, Arizona. You know, no one was was happy about this. No one wanted to go out there, the family didn't want it. And my mom was kind of using it as a fresh start for me and my sister. She's three years older than me. Uh, and growing up, you know, it was very, the best way I describe it is there was a lot of chaos going on too within our household. Um, there was a lot of just arguing, shouting at the time. Me and my sister, we never really got along. So we didn't have a great relationship there. And my mom and I did, and I was favored a little bit to be blunt, you know, I guess, cause I was just the boy of the family. Um, and they always argued all the time, so it was always kind of like highs and lows, peaks and valleys in terms of what energy you want to get today. When I walk in the door, you don't know. So a lot of it was chaos. Uh, and then we're in the Phoenix, for Arizona, for a year. She met a boyfriend out there; it didn't work out. It wasn't working out with my sister, and she came back to live with my grandparents in Tennessee. So it was just us there for a while, and it was going okay. Actually, it was going okay. Uh, you know, it was a. It was income-based apartment housing. It was a very large complex. And I started getting into trouble, of course. You know, I started skipping school and hanging out with some people that were doing things that probably shouldn't be doing. Luckily, I didn't get anything patched, just, you know, school suspension. And then at this time, we're talking about 2006, 2007, and my mom actually met someone online. And she met someone through a online biker dating website. And of course, keep that in mind. This is very taboo. Back then, it was very unorthodox to meet someone off the internet. Don't do it. Could be a killer or murderer you don't know and we actually wound up we never met this person and just met through online and phone calls and we moved out to ohio for a year so you know we made the three-day trek out there and turns out he was actually he was a pretty decent guy so he wasn't a killer or murderer luckily thankfully being the first time and we were there for a while and it was kind of same song and dance like it's 2007 Mom didn't have a uh, job for a while. Her car got repossessed, couldn't afford that. You know, there was times where, you know, if we got McDonald's the month, that month. We were doing well. And eventually, my grade started slipping and talked to my grandparents for a while. And my mom, decided it was best to move back home. So, and when we came back home, there, my mom was still in the house with the family from that initial conflict. And that is when I talked about it before. And she kind of lived in her car for a while. So that is when I told my family what was going on. And my granddad, we got her to a hotel for a while, which eventually she was able to get back around her feet. She got a job and then she got her own place. So, but the first 14 of the years was very not eventful. Like I, we went to Disney World when I was young and my grandparents took us on trips to like Gatlinburg and Mammoth Cave and things like that. And I did get to do Boy Scouts, but it wasn't very lavish. You know, I think I didn't even see the beach uh, except maybe once, between the time i was like as a kid and it's like 18. uh so it was just very small i was a very introverted kid very socially awkward i was always the biggest in my class and of course because of my demeanor i was always bullied picked on didn't say anything back and was very recluse and just played a lot of video games as a kid just myself so and i had some friends but not as i could and but that really was kind of the beginning it's very Kind of an orthodox chaos in a way. And when I was 14, that's when I came back to live with my grandparents. And that's when things kind of started to get a little bit more normalcy. And now I remember when I started over, I had a couple trash bags and ate a duffel bag. I came back to live with them and kind of just rebuilt ever since from there.
0: Wow. And so you go through all this, which is a lot for anyone, even in a, as an adult, to try to navigate. I can't imagine as a child. So you go through high school. Where did life lead you once you were done with school?
1: Sure. So I went to high school and, you know, of course, my grandparents wanted me to go to college. Everybody, we were told from the time we were young, as we grew up, to go to college. That's how you get a good job and that's how you live a good life. And of course, probably wanted to go because everyone else is doing it. You know, the college experience, have a good time, but I really just wanted to work. And for me, the biggest reason why was watching my mother struggle her whole life, squeeze pennies out of dollars, put water in the milk. You know, we're eating out of, like, microwavable meals and trays. And our pizza was made out of, like, the pizza box kits or super, super cheap food. And I realized that, for me, my purpose was to work. I wanted to work. I wanted to make money. I saw how much she was consistently living in a fight-or-flight state her entire life. She was always stressed, which I know is what contributed to, like, a lot of her emotional like responses and outbursts. And seeing that as like, I need to make money so one day that I'm not in the same situation and I can take care of whoever I marry and also my family as well. Because one day that burden is on me. Mm -hmm. I've known that for a long time. And that's kind of what drove me to not go the traditional college route. And I actually was working at Party City at the time. I started Party City when I was 15 years old and I kind of worked my way up the ladder there pretty quickly. I was 18 years old, became a manager and I actually did try college the first go-round. I went for audio engineering at Nashville State. Again, it was close to home in case my family needed me.
0: Yeah. I
1: tried it for the first two semesters, and then I saw an opportunity. I saw I had an opportunity to become the general manager of the store. And since I saw working was the path for me, I wanted to go after it, so I stopped going to school. And, of course, you know, your parents were a little upset, and they're like, you know, can never go back to school. They want to go to school to get a good job, good life. And I understand now why, because it wasn't the best for us. But it really worked out because I progressed pretty rapidly. Income wise, I was doing very well. I was making very good money. By the time I was like 22, 23, well, it took people like years out of college to start making. And I stuck at Party City for about 11 years. I was a GM there for seven. Wow. So that's, it is. It's where i got my teeth cut in business. Yeah. Uh, the Party City that I worked at in Nashville was ran by a man and his wife. So it was a franchise. And because of that, I got to learn all the behind-the-scene operations of what took to run a business. That's incredible. And it was great. It was, a, you know, it was a really like privileged experience for me because it allowed me to learn all the knowledge of what I know now. And I you know, led teams of up to 30 to 40 in my own store, helped co-manage help the teams up to 60 to 80 in total between two stores. Uh, we were doing about $2.5 million in sales. Our two sisters worked together that we helped manage about $5.5 million. So it was a really great experience overall.
0: That's amazing. So almost that hardship and watching your mom struggle put a drive into you of this work ethic that is just like, almost is determined for you to be successful in life.
1: It has. And it, it made me realize like I don't want to be this way. I don't want right. to be struggling my whole life. I can fight or flight. Yeah. And I knew that it didn't have to be that way. And I'm really grateful to know that my grandparents and my granddad specifically because he's from the 50s right he grew up in the 50s and 60s and that was my male role model so it was very old school you work your ass off extreme hard work ethic so i'm grateful to have him to show me what that meant and mm-hmm. when i was seven eight years old he was taking me we work we're, we don't hire people we work ourselves we fix things ourselves and that's where i really learned that drive and once i found something that i was good at i just go all in. Yeah. and I'm very believer, big believer in I don't want a job I want a lifestyle
0: oh I I'm love that yeah yeah and you and I love that you have that role model in your life and I I have so much appreciation when he's like we don't hire people we figure it out ourselves <laughs> that's fantastic
1: it was and there's not times that we didn't hire people it was like way above our pay grade and when you like yeah. do it, sure but most of the time we fix it ourselves that's incredible <laughs>
0: We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have more from our guest, Cody. He talks about how he wanted to get into being a personal trainer years ago. But at that time, he was pushing his own limits by working a full-time job and going to school full-time.
1: And that's when I realized like, I was giving some decent advice out. I was like, this could be something. And at the time, I actually was looking at becoming a personal trainer about six years ago. But six years ago, I was also in college. And I was doing working 45 hours a week full time. At that time, we were having to be at work at 4 a.m., being done by 12 p.m. And then a few nights a week, I was going to night classes from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m.
0: To stand out on social media and the Internet for a business to grow, you need branding images that help express who you are and what you represent. Being a driven business owner, you already know your audience needs to see your brand show up on a regular basis before they will trust you enough to work with you. With a branding photo session with Girl Boss Photography, you can tell your story through images. Utilizing those images in your marketing and content strategy will enhance your appearance and help build a connection to your existing and potential clients. Girl Boss Photography loves working with small and medium sized businesses to help them build a strong visual brand. By partnering with creative entrepreneurs, listening to their goals, Girl Boss Photography carries a branding session that will tell the story of who you are, what you do, and how you are there to help your clients. If you are wanting to grow your business, improve your online presence, contact Girl Boss Photography to find out more about your options with their branding packages. Send a message on Instagram at girl.boss.photography today. welcome back to journey to the rise we continue our conversation with Cody and we get into the emphasis of sleep and why it is so important for people to make sure we are getting enough of it and you talk about the school and you there's a, a comment I think you have on your Instagram that says if school and college is not for you don't go and I just want you to expand on the statement because I personally, I feel that we can find knowledge and education in so many ways, just like you just said, like we don't hire people, we figure it out ourselves. And there's so many avenues of gaining knowledge and and having that self-education. And you are a graduate from Nashville State Community College. So I, I just wanna, would love for you to kind of expand upon like if school's not for you, Mr. College graduate, don't go.
1: Yeah, and it's, so I think that there's many avenues to learn, like you just said. We have the internet at our disposal. You have different jobs, trades, apprentices, certifications that we can take. And I just never thrived well in a classroom setting. You know, as someone who always started with, like like ADHD and dyslexia as well, sometimes it just didn't work best for me. And I know others are the same as well. And just because everyone else is doing something doesn't mean that's always the best thing for you. It doesn't make it wrong, it doesn't make it right, it's just what makes you happy and what's gonna fulfill you the most. And we forget that there's no such thing as a right or wrong in life's choices. At the end of the day, it's it's what's gonna bring you the most happiness. And I think that's the most important metric to measure for success, the most important KPI, if you will. And the reason why I went to school the second time is I wanted to do it for myself. I wasn't trying to do it for anyone else. I wasn't trying to impress anybody else. I was doing business management, I said, I'm ready to learn the textbook information from it. I'm ready to learn the classroom settings so I can see, one, I'm gonna do it for two years to see if it's something, if I wanna continue, then I'll get a bachelor's degree. I was not I was someone who wasn't afraid to go later in life and instead of going as soon as I was in high school, I wanted to experience life. I wanted it to teach me and I wanted to learn things my own way. I remember we were at dinner one time uh, for I think a family's birthday. And mom asked me like, if someone hands you a book of all their experiences and failures, would you read it? I said, no, because I wanna figure it out myself. And I, meant,
0: Ooh.
1: and I meant that and yeah. I, and I failed a lot, but I haven't failed yet. And the second time I went and it was, it's was one of the most prioritized for me is because one, I did it for myself, not anyone else. And that matters so much. And the information that I learned, I was directly immediately applying into my career. And the one thing I learned from my career, I was able to bring back into the classroom setting. So it's very synergistic as we were doing it. Mm-hmm. And I realized that two years was enough for me. I didn't think I needed to go back, but one day I might go get a bachelor's degree. Maybe I'll get a master's degree.
0: Yeah.
1: I just like to do that at different phases of my life.
0: And I, I love that you said that you weren't afraid to go back later in life. I think so often, you know someone at 18 may not want to go to college they may not be ready they may want to go live their life and then they get to be 25 35 45 and they're like oh my god i'm too old to go to college the hell you are (laughs) like education doesn't stop and they will allow you to enroll and i remember sitting in classes when i was getting my bachelor's with people who were 20 30 years older than me and i was like you have so much more to gain by sitting in here and you're bringing so much more to the table. So if I ever got partnered with them, like it benefited me as a younger student. And Mm -hmm. I I hope that anyone listening will take this away from, or take away from this, that age is just a number. It's just a
1: number. 100%. 100%. It's just number on driver's license. That means nothing just for you to remember what year you were born. Nothing else.
0: Yeah. And people will ask me, like, my age, and I just tell them I don't don't tell people my age. And the reaction is very, very, like, different. But there's so much societal pressure, especially on women, to, like, reach certain milestones by certain age points. And if you don't, oh, my God, go buy some cats and sit in the corner. And I don't want to give into that pressure anymore, especially when it comes to education. There's people who are starting businesses at 65. Like, don't ever be afraid to start learning or to continue to learn.
1: You are never too old to start anything and you're never told to go back to school and learn something new. You have to yeah. be a forever student. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, and people let the judgment of others and the perceptions of others stop them from what they want. They really want to do. Yeah. And that's kind of part of what zero to hero coaching is, is to break through those molds, break through those limiting beliefs. Let's it's trying to remind people that they are the main character in their own life. They hold the story, they hold the pen to their own autobiography and the writing to sit their new page every single day with the words and actions that they take. And mm-hmm. the question is, when you go back to read that autobiography, how happy are you with what you wrote?
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes, because like I don't know about you, but I already have an entourage in my head that I am fighting on a daily basis. I don't need those outside judgmental sources. Like, if you're not in my life to uplift me, help me, support me, shut up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know, and it's that inner inner person, that inner bitch, if you will, that makes you tell you that you're not good enough, that you're not gonna be great enough. You can't do this, you can't do that. And that's why it's so important to drown out that voice and realize that you are not your thoughts. There is a book that I love. It's called How to Unfuck Yourself. And it kind of discusses that topic, which is you are not your thoughts. You are that inner voice inside your head. And when you can really just break past that, you have to really shatter that glass. But once you do, you realize that you were just you the whole time. Yeah. And that you can just be who you really want to be.
0: And I, I love that you have that insight. Because I know for me, and I don't think I'm the only one that negative voice, you're not good enough, you can't do this, you'll never blah, 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 fill in the blank, held me back for years. And when I finally like got into around the right people who were hel- helping me change that mindset, I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, why? Why did I listen to that negative crap that was going through my head?
1: <laughs> I know. And it's so easy to do, but it's when it comes to you really just have to build that willpower muscle of consistently going against that grain, And eventually you're able to just put that into your rearview mirror.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so during this journey of yours, when did fitness and health start to become important to you?
1: I, yeah, it was when I was actually 17. And of course, I mentioned I was a bigger kid growing up. And between 12 and 14, I grew taller and leaned out a lot. So I was a super skinny kid. I went from being a super chubby kid to a super skinny kid. And then I was, you know, of course in high school, I talked to a girl or something I was like, let me just try this weight training thing, right? And then I did, and I was hooked immediately. I found a 12 week program online. It was Chris Gessen's like 12 week hardcore. And I just went all in and I was like, I love this. Cause it was the first time where I had such like, everyone gets what they call newbie gains at the beginning when you've never worked out. And mine were so great, because I was doing so much intensely, I was like, I want to keep going. I loved how I felt. I loved how I felt mentally, physically, how I looked. And I had more confidence, and I felt that I was doing better in life. And from there on on, I was always about, how much more can I learn? And in my free time, I was always researching, like, what was going on with supplements and health, and what's the new exercise science say. And I think it's just a fascinating topic, because these are the type of information that you learn, you can immediately apply back into yourself.
0: Right. Yeah. And so what was the inspiration as you're, you're learning all this stuff and getting into fitness? What was the inspiration to coach others in their fitness journey?
1: I think the first one is just I had a few people, of course, ask me for questions and advice. And that's when I realized like I was giving some decent advice out. and I was like, this could be something. And at the time, I actually was looking at becoming a personal trainer about six years ago. But six years ago, I was also in college and I was doing working 45 hours a week full time. At that time, we were having to be at work at 4 a.m. being done by 12 p.m. And then a few nights a week, I was going to night classes from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Wow. So I was taking anywhere from 15 to 21 credit hours a semester. I was really trying to stack it and get as much as I could done. And I realized something has to go. I can't do all of this. So unfortunately I kind of put that on the shelf, but I never stopped. I always stayed in my free time, learning more, seeing what else I could go because it's just something that I truly love. And you know, when you find something that you love, when you're not looking for the satisfaction and the encouragement or the, I guess the great job from others, you're doing it for yourself.
0: That's awesome. And what challenges did you face like getting on track with your health and fitness?
1: The biggest track for me was definitely being around the right crowd. Who you surround yourself with matters. You know, the old saying, you are the average, the five people you spend the most time with, it's there for a reason, because it's true. Because that is your quote-unquote tribe, and that is the energy that you're feeding off of people, the mental state, physical state, and you kind of naturally and organically become a mold of that. So for me, it's being around the right people who are in the same type of field, who want to do that type of thing. And of course, for me, alcohol was a big one. Really started with that for a while. And my early 20s didn't really that much in my mid-20s. And towards my mid-late 20s, I had a big stint with that, big issue with that until I finally stopped it. So really, it's just your environment and substance for me.
0: Wow. And so as you're working with with your your clients and people are getting started with their new workout and they're they're getting excited, they're putting in the time, but the results sometimes don't come very fast and they get discouraged. And I noticed that you talk about assessing your body when it comes to starting a new workout. How do you feel that assessment helps people stay on track?
1: I do, and I think it's really learning to listen and be in tune with your body. If you're doing something and something doesn't feel right, something starts feeling hurting and you're like, maybe I shouldn't do this, there might be a reason. You know, I've been working with clients where they might be trying to do squat and we realize that they have such a huge, like ankle immobility issues, right? I'm not gonna sit there and say, well, keep going. And then we have an issue with the ankle and we stop. We're gonna put in an alternative. We're gonna put in a depression. We're gonna see where it works. You have to do an assessment of seeing what the body can really do in the beginning, like really assessing how the workouts feel, what did the exercises feel like, feel like excuse me. And where is that starting point? Assess the starting point and you build off of that. You don't just go jump in at 80%, 90% and say, well, here's a standard plan, go for it. It's really starting small. I'm a big believer in not going straight out of the gates, guns blazing. I believe in a ramp up because I would rather start small and we progressively work into it, then we're going way too hard, and now we have an injury at play, and then we're in trouble.
0: Sure. And do you find, like, when you start small, you're celebrating maybe, like, the little wins and going into a big win instead of trying to start big and crashing?
1: Is that kind of like... Exactly, because it's the small wins that's stack up to the big wins. When you have a big win that you're trying to achieve, it's a lot harder starting off. And then when you don't hit the big win, you're discouraged. Mm -hmm. You're disappointed. You feel like you did something wrong. So that's why it's so important to get the small wins. You haven't worked out in three years and you hit one workout this week. That's a win. I don't care if it was 15 minutes. You still did it. Yeah, And it's just building that momentum because it's the momentum training that builds into consistency and consistency is what builds into the discipline.
0: Right. And do you find like when people come to you, like maybe there's a section that they want to focus focus on, maybe like their arms or legs, maybe they they really want to work on their abs. Um, But you talk about a well-rounded body with flexibility, balance, and strength is more important. Can you elaborate why? Why is that more important?
1: It is, because it's more about taking care of our body and us, and we're hearing the word optimal being thrown around in the health of my right? So it's really about just optimizing your body's health. It's if you are, let's say you're super strong, but you're super immobile, and I'm going to use my shoulder for example. I was super strong in my shoulders, and I was lifting a lot, but I never did any form of stretching, any form of recovery, and now I do have a shoulder injury that's been lagging for years. So, and it's doing things like, to 15 minute stretching routines or doing things like sauna ice baths, making sure that you're getting proper sleep taking care of your body because that is what's it's about the quality of life that we're trying to build having a strong body is fantastic we want to build that but we also want to be mobile and it's the immobility and it is the not being flexible and not having enough stretch like say we have a tight hamstrings and we're not working on that well that's a recipe for disaster waiting to happen and we're just going to ignore it. Most people ignore it until it's too late. So when you do the small things daily, you prevent it. Healthcare, I believe the health and wellness is 95% proactive and 5% reactive. Most people wait until we're at the 5%. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Very, very true. And do you find when people come to you for their workouts, they, they neglect the importance that food plays in the success of their fitness journey?
1: Some do, not all. Okay. So it varies. I have some people that when it comes to diet, they're pretty great. And now we're struggling with trying to get their workouts in check and vice versa. But I think it really comes down to just overall education, proper education of food and nutrition, because a lot of people just don't know what they don't know and they don't know what to eat. Sure. So they go in and thinking like, I did a walkthrough and grocery with a client the other day. And we're just going through everything. And he's looking at this bag and he's like, the serving size is two third cups and there is 10 servings in the bag. I would eat half the bag at once. And I think that that is pretty much the standard quo for at least half of America. Right. So they're not taught to properly measure portion sizes and not properly taught about the cavalry intake, how much they should have versus not, or what their food plate should even be structured to look like. So it comes down to simple education and teaching them of what to do and how to make it better. Yeah.
0: Very nice. And I didn't know that you went grocery shopping
1: with people. Uh, it was the first time. You know, we chat about it for a while, and I yeah. do. You know, and if you need help with we'll trying to navigate the store and how to do it, let's go walk through it. I think it's important to not just me tell you what to do, but cool, let's go see it together. Here's right. what I do. Here's why I do it. Yeah. And people, it's instead of doing a do as I say, you know, situation, it's more of a once you understand the why, it sticks.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you also talk about along with having a well-balanced fitness routine, implementing healthy eating or not, yeah, eating, but also the importance of sleep. Um, how important is sleep? Because I think a lot of people neglect that. I know I neglect that. Like what is for you the importance of getting enough sleep and rest and how does that apply to having that healthy lifestyle?
1: Yeah, for me personally, if I don't get enough sleep, I'm, I'm at least 20% down for the day in terms of energy. It is where we process our short-term memories and process them into long-form, and we're able to kind of file it away. We flush away toxins from the brain while we sleep. This is when the body is able to repair and recover and heal. And it allows us, there's so many studies that show that just from from a fitness perspective, the better quality of sleep that you have, the more that you have, the more muscle that you're going to be able to gain, and the more fat that you're going to burn. You're not going to wake up as watery and be a little fluffy in the morning, right? More puffy if you don't sleep as much. And it, you won't have as much energy either. You're not going to have as much cognitive function. Your brain is going to be working as optimized as it could be. So it's just so vital for health. I tell people, get at least six hours. Six hours is the bare minimum. Don't be getting this five. Every, rarely, you know, that might have to happen. You might have to red-eye it here and there. That's okay. But at least six, seven is ideal. Eight, yeah. fantastic. So between that six to eight mark, and I really do try to stick to that the best I can too.
0: Nice. And if someone is like wanting to get started and working out, like what kind of recommendations do you have for people who come to you that maybe they don't know where to
1: start? Sure, I think the biggest thing to starting is, as we assess before, start small. We're starting small and let's say someone is brand new and they worked out in five years. And let's say they're intimidated to go to the gym because it's new and scary. Great. Well, let's just do some home workouts. Let's just do one or two 30-minute home workouts. Let's start small. We're going, we're going to work up to sweat. I'm not going to try to kill you, but we're just going to get started, right? Yeah. And then also let's look at steps. How many steps are you getting a day? This is a crucial one. It's an easy win. If you can get 8,000 steps a day, the average American gets about seven. Let's bump that up to 8,000. And let's get that consistently. Let's look at your hydration. Are you getting enough water? That's another easy win. How is your sleep? Is that off track? Great. That's another easy win. There's so many small areas that we can immediately improve to have immediate impact. And they like a quick, like almost instant gratification win on us that we just don't look at. And the last thing I would look at, of course, is your food timing. Are you yo-yo dieting? As as one day are you having 1,000 calories? The next day you're having 3,000 calories. Let's balance that out get consistent with it. The body loves consistency. I've seen this with my clients before where they've been yo-yo dieting all the time for the back and forth. But when we finally got them on a consistent eating regimen with calories, they actually started losing a bit more weight than they were before.
0: Wow. And what about like, how do you feel about like cheat days or maybe it's just a really stressful day and all you want is something really unhealthy from fast food?
1: Sure. And we all fall into temptation. I'm guilty. Uh, last night, my wife was like, I really want ice cream and I ordering Uber Eats and I had a really bad day. It wasn't a bad day, it was just a very long day, stressful day. And I'm like, okay, fine. And, you know, we ordered $30 worth of Uber Eats ice cream and now I'm like, probably should have done that. <laughs> it's about we've the old rule of like the 80 20 and 90 10. And I think it just comes down to I like the idea of planning out these type of meals so you have something to look forward to. Cheat days, I'm not really a big fan of because one cheat day can turn into two and it kind of snowball. It's about having these planned fun meals, not cheap meals, but fun meals that you enjoy. Or not even looking at fun meal; It's just meals that you enjoy Mm -hmm. and you get right back onto the train because it's about making sure that you keep that consistency with your eating and not falling off track. But in terms of like, all I want is to have this bad food when I get home, it depends on where you're in life, but if you're able to not do that, I'd recommend it just from a building that willpower standpoint, but there's also some days where you know, like you just need it, do it. At the end of the day, you know it's best for you. But if you're following like a strict diet protocol and this is crunch time, maybe not be the time to do that.
0: Right. I love the rewording of that as a fun meal instead of like a cheat meal.
1: Sure, because then you still feel like you're doing something wrong, but you're not. Right. It really comes down to, you know, there's no bad or good food. It's just more nutri- nutrient-dense food and caloric-dense food versus not. Mm-hmm. So and just finding the right way to eat the appropriate amount of foods in those areas.
0: Yeah, I think I heard um, a health coach once say that she would rather see her clients if they want a brownie have the brownie because if you tell yourself I can't have that the next thing you know you've eaten the entire pan of brownies.
1: Absolutely, and it's it's because when you say you can't have something, restriction sure kicks in, and then your brain's like, "Well, now I want it. Right. I want it all the time." or now that I can't have this it, when I really want it. And that's what it's going back to. Like there are times where like, if you really think you need to do it, do it. It just depends on what current plan you're following. because mm-hmm. it all depends on what stage you're at in your health and wellness journey.
0: Yeah. And do you feel like you talk about self-awareness, like is this part of maybe self-awareness or why does self-awareness play such a role in being successful with fitness and health?
1: Sure. I would argue that self-awareness is a superpower. And super, Ooh, I
0: love that.
1: It's a superpower because self-awareness is learning who you are. And it's learning what you are willing to do versus you're not willing to do. I know for a fact I am not willing to go and try to be the next basketball player and try to be in the NBA. Like, you know, I'm not going to worry about things like that. Or I know there are certain things that I'm just not meant to do, and that's okay. And also learning about my own personal like emotions. And learning what are my habits what are my bad habits more specifically when it comes to your health and wellness what am i going to do if i have reese's in the house i know i'm going to eat them so i've had to learn i can't keep them in the house otherwise i'm just <laughs> going to eat all of them because i love reese's to death and the small things like that that sounds silly but they add up long term i know that if i keep my phone in my office when i'm supposed to be working i'm going to get on it so therefore i can't keep it in my office anymore so i can get deep work done and it's also learning what you're good at, what are your emotions or skill sets that you're great at and leaning into them hard. And I think that the more you learn about yourself, the faster that you can progress and work on yourself and the more you can push forward in life faster than you could before.
0: Absolutely, that's great insight. And speaking of insight, you talked about stretching. So let's say it's the end of the workout, Running late, and you're like, I'll just skip stretching. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> what would you say about skipping stretching, and why do you feel it's important?
1: Well, I'll definitely argue. Don't skip the cool down. It's just as important as the warm up. You still want to make sure you give your muscles time to really like unwind. But there might be if you can do it later, do it. If you're like really running behind, and you're like, I got a meeting in five minutes. Guy I got to get to. Okay, fine. But if you can't avoid it, if you can do it, do it because it comes back to building that consistency of taking care of your body because you start here and then say the next day you're just going to skip it and not worry about it. Now you turn it into three days. And as the more time passes, the more resistance comes between you and that habit. So if you're trying to keep a habit and build it consistently, don't go more than two to three days max from doing it.
0: Nice. I know there's been times I've been running late from a workout and I, I could barely stretch, but I will like, you know, I have to put my gym bag in the car. So sometimes I would you know use that as a stretch or put my foot up against the tire sure. really quick to get a calf stretch. I'm like, okay, yeah. that counts. I got to go.
1: <laughs> well, and it's not sexy, right? Most people view it as mobility work cover It's not sexy. It's not fun. Like the strength training, the workout, all the hits. Right. But it's still a viable part of the whole plan, about, of the whole, like, encompassing of your health and wellness program. Mm-hmm. So it's important to make sure to put that in there.
0: So since you have such an importance on stretching, I'm just curious, do you practice
1: yoga? I do not, no. Uh, I really should. <laughs> I do the basic stretching mobility like everyone else. But I've thought about it. I'm just, like, a bigger guy, very tight. And I don't bend as well as some other people. But it's on the radar to try.
0: Good, you should. I will recommend some yoga instructors in Nashville and online. Um, There's a, a radio personality and he's a big, he openly talks about how he's a gym rat and how he just loves to lift and lift and lift. And then the pandemic hit and he couldn't go to the gym. And his fiance is like, well, you can join me doing yoga. And so he spent three months doing yoga with her. And he's like, I may never join a gym ever again. I'm stronger than I was going to the gym all the time. So I will definitely give you some recommendations.
1: Oh, you can build some great bodies off of yoga too, because yeah. a lot of core work and just like calisthenics.
0: Yeah. It's incredible. Cause you're building the muscle from what I, I've been explained. Um, you're building that muscle from the inside out mm-hmm. to really get a depth of tone. So with your, um, your coaching, do you offer any kind of online instruction or are you just mainly in person instruction at a gym?
1: Sure. So I actually kind of do all of the above. I do offer online programming. I also do virtual training, which is kind of how we're talking. Like you would be doing a workout through, you know, on your side, and I'd be kind of coaching you through it. Uh, online programming is kind of what it sounds like. I have an app that I utilize where all your workouts are loaded. Uh, workouts, cardio, nutrition, everything.
0: Wow. I also
1: do, of course, in person as well. And I'm a trainer at Southside Strength here in Brentwood, Tennessee.
0: Very cool. And so, like, if someone comes to you as you know, they hire you to work, you know, and they say to you, I will to lose 20 pounds. I will to lose 20 pounds as quickly as possible. Like, what do you say to that person? And, like, what kind of timeline is realistic for someone to lose, like, 20 pounds?
1: So, I think, okay, and I think the timeline kind of varies person to person. For example, I weigh about 220 pounds. If I wanted to lose 20 pounds, it's going to take me a lot longer than someone who might be 300 pounds trying to lose 20 pounds. The, a healthy way to look at losing weight is about 1% of body weight a week. So I would kind of assess it off of that. If there was someone a bit, you know, say around 250 and they're wanting to lose 20 pounds, I would look at at least two months, two and a half months done safely in the right way. I don't believe in like fast results unless they're like looking at like a wedding. But still, if they're start, it all depends on their starting point as well that's really the biggest factor. So if they're starting from ground zero, you know, that we can start by doing what we talked about before, looking at one to two workouts a week, getting proper steps in, hydration, sleep, food, nutrition, meal timing, the correct amount of calories, and kind of building off of that plan. So it's kind of hard to gauge just because everyone is so unique and has such Mm -hmm. different starting points. And I would say, but if you're looking for an actual answer, I'd say at least two months.
0: So when you know. someone works with you, you really take the time to not just like look at them physically and assess them, but you really take the time to look at their lifestyle, give them the support, and design a program so when they're working with you, you truly are side-by-side, step-by-step.
1: I really try to be the best that I can. And one of the things that I'm truly trying to you know be as a trainer that separates me apart from other people is that I believe that there's not a problem that you bring to me that we can't solve together. You have health and fitness, health and wellness problem, that's why you came to me, of course, we're gonna solve it. You have a life crisis going on, cool, let's solve it. You're having a business crisis going on, cool, let's solve it. Mm -hmm. You fear that you're in financial distress and you might lose your house, cool, let's let's solve it. Let's work through it together. Part of the one of the core values from Zero to Hero Coaching is that we lead with the humanity first approach, which encapsulates kindness, humility, empathy, and really, just ensuring that the person that I'm talking to knows that they feel like at that time that no one else matters, that the only person in the room, and they know that we are truly trying to do whatever we can to help their life, their life move forward. It's not just about building your body. That's great. It's what about your mental state? When you close your eyes, and part of the you know, mission statement is help you become your own hero. Is when you close your eyes, what is that most heroic version of yourself that you envision? How does that person act? How do they talk to others? How do they love others? How do they talk to themselves? And you know, what type of body do they have? And that's really what we're shooting for. That's what we're trying to achieve.
0: So you're not just trying to get them to be successful by having a slimmer waistline or or bigger muscles. You truly are helping these people find a way to be successful in all aspects of their life.
1: Yes, that is 100% the goal.
0: Wow. That's incredible. And I, I love that you said, how do you talk to yourself? A friend of mine who I cherish deeply, I was saying something negative about myself. And she turned. She's a very sweet, true Southern belle, polite, quiet girl. And this woman turned to me. And she goes, don't talk to my friend that way. Wow. Yeah. Yeah and that was the most sticking up for right and i've never had anyone like stand up for me in that aspect before and so yes that self-talk that you just mentioned is huge because again the entourage likes to be super super negative and just beat the crap out of ourselves and that's not helpful
1: it's not and you know it's like going back to the lit song my own worst enemy we are our own worst enemy the biggest war that we'll ever fight is the one in between the ears
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. And speaking of a war, I saw you do on an Instagram post where you were in a plank and you're sliding a weight back and forth in front of you. First of all, what benefit does this bring to you? Because it looked like
1: torture. <laughs> sure. So it's just a different variation of a plank to add more intensity to it. So when you're sitting there in the plank, you have your core engaged. When you move your arm, the core more engages because it doesn't have as much stability. And when you're shifting a plate back and forth, you're really using your obliques, full core, a little bit of arm back in there too. That's really, really to fire up your your entire abdominals and just really make that core a lot more stronger.
0: It looked very intense. I'm terrified to try it. Not going to lie.
1: Should do it sometime. <laughs>
0: I'll report back. Uh, <laughs> I notice, like, for some people, there's, like, a big hesitation, you know, especially with, like, New, new Year resolutions or swimsuit season or it's fall. I mean, any, any given part of the year that we go through, people are always wanting to get fit and have reasons and very valid reasons. Maybe it's their health. Maybe they're having a health scare. But they, they're afraid to get started. Like, what do you what do you think is holding people back?
1: I think what holds them back is the fear of failure. It's the fear of judgment. It's the fear of I'm going to look stupid doing this exercise. I'm going to look silly because I don't know what I'm doing. Someone's going to laugh at me. And it's really that we're all in our own head when it comes to starting. The hardest thing to do everything is just start. We will wait for the perfect time, create the perfect plan, when the reality is none of that exists. It all gets figured out as we work through it, as we begin the process. So it really is our own self-limiting beliefs that hold us back from achieving those results. And it's just, and the best thing I can describe it is no one is paying attention to you when you're in the gym or working out. We are so worried about ourselves; We're so focused on We do not have time to look at someone else. And here's the thing, even if you feel like you look silly, their opinions do not matter. You know, the judgments and opinions of others do not help put food on the tables for you and your family. So you need to do what's going to be best for you. And that comes down to starting to take care of yourself and your health first.
0: And if someone is at the gym judging you, that's on them.
1: It's a reflection of who they are and what they're going through. So do not take it personal. It has nothing to do with you.
0: Yeah. And you've referenced the book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And you talk about mastering showing up for the systems you put in place for yourself. How has this habit worked for you?
1: Yeah, and it's the mastering art showing up, which James Clear really discusses, is that is the biggest component in consistency. And for me, the art of showing up is in my business specifically. It's about realizing that every single day I need to be working on something that's going to move the business needle forward. Here is my task. I am my own boss. There's no one else that's gonna tell me what to do. It comes down to true self-leadership and showing up for yourself is by doing what you set out to do. And when you show up for yourself, that's what builds credibility with yourself. Self-reputation is built on the promises that you keep with yourself and doing the things that you say that you will do. So for me, it even started off something as small as when I started in the very beginning doing this, five minutes a day. Great, that was it. And that's actually referenced in his book. Someone who starts going to the gym to show up for five minutes and leave. I took that straight out of that book and applied it (laughs) to my business and it worked. And it's starting small like that. and then you build it into other things and so now i just show up every day i don't think about it there's not a day i don't go by that i don't work on something because if i don't i'll go insane Mm -hmm. just like working out when you ask master art of showing up for yourself and working out and there's days you don't go work out you're going to feel it if you don't exercise so start small start showing for yourself in very small increments to stack up those small wins because they are the ones that lead up into the big ones long term very
0: true very true That's it with part one of two with Cody Kelly. He brings such a calm demeanor to not just this conversation, but also in life. I think when we have been through hardship and have taken the time to process our challenges and pain, it shapes us to be able to handle situations with more patience and understanding.
1: And the significance of the tattoo means to me is to remember of those who are struggling and still need help. It's remembrance for me. And when I've talked to my own therapist about this, about, who I am now and where I came from, he's like, you're part of the 1% that got to where you are. The other 9%, 9% aren't so lucky. And they're still out there, you know, not living the best life, you know, their thoughts and the way that they grew up kind of shaped them into not be the best person they could be because they didn't have the support system that they needed. And as someone who's has struggled with extreme, like depression, anxiety their entire life, I realized that, you know, I'm able to point my life where I can handle it on my, you know, myself and I can manage it. How can I help others do the same? Thank you
0: so much for listening to Journey to the Rise. I do hope you'll give us a follow on your podcast app so you have the latest episode downloaded. If you want to follow us on Instagram, our account is at Journey to the Rise Podcast. This episode was researched, produced, and edited by Girl Boss Productions. And please remember to be kind to yourself. When you're kind to you, it is easier to be kind to others because you cannot hate yourself into a version you love. I'm Lucretia. And you've been listening to Journey to the Rise.